You're listening to Aussie Fire, a guide to financial independence for Australians. We're big fans of sharing experiences and talking about money. But remember, any advice is general and does not consider your financial situation, needs or objectives. So consider whether it's appropriate for you. Chapter 18. International Investing for Aussies. By Miss Fiery Ice. From Two to Fire. Narrated by Thomas. From Perla. Diversification, diversification, diversification. Diversification as a concept is so important, it merits a mention every time we talk about investments. Diversification of your portfolio means mixing a wide variety of investments to make sure that you're not overly reliant on one particular type of asset class. Over the long term, Diversification offers the benefit of maximizing your returns whilst minimizing risk. Typically, when someone thinks of diversification, they think of buying multiple asset classes such as bonds, gold, and real estate to average out the risks associated with only buying shares and equities. However, a key aspect of diversification that's also quite important for Aussies to consider is geographic diversification. Here's why. One. The total market capitalization of the Australian Securities Exchange, or ASX, is approximately 2% of the total global market capitalization. 2. The ASX has a huge dependence on financials and materials, which contribute to almost 50% of the total market capitalization of the ASX 200. In contrast, sectors like technology and healthcare are just a tiny sliver in that pie. What this means is that when you invest only in the Aussie share market, you're limiting yourself to less than 2% of the global opportunities, with only two sectors taking centre stage. This makes your investments extremely susceptible to a sector-specific downturn. The Banking Royal Commission is a good example of how a sector-specific issue in the financials dragged the ASX 200 down by almost 13%, from December 2017, when it was announced, to June 2018. In a more diversified exchange, perhaps, the impact on the overall index would not have been so pronounced. Exposure to international equities is the antidote. Investing in the global share markets can help provide the much-needed diversifications for Australians, not only across different international markets, but also across multiple sectors and blue-chip companies. Access to global markets Each country's economy has a country risk associated with it. The more developed an economy, the lower the country risk. But with a lower risk also comes lower returns. Investing in international equities lets you participate in the growth of other countries and geographies, therefore optimising your returns whilst also keeping the risk fairly contained. While historically, the Australian economy has grown robustly, it's expected that its growth rate, along with that of other developed economies, such as the US, will slow down, while that of emerging economies will gain momentum. When looking at investments from the angle of FI, it's important to look at long-term growth. Therefore, investing in different economies, which are at different stages of their economic life cycle, will make sure that you're not overly exposed to the blips in the growth of one particular economy, and that your bets are sufficiently hedged. 
There's a chart on page 220 of the ebook which compares the performance of the top Australian shares, or the ASX 200, with that of the top US shares, or the S&P 500, over a 10-year period. If you'd had some portion of your investments in US shares, you would have been able to see great returns from that amazing growth. Sector Diversification The Australian share market has a disproportionately large dependence on the big four banks and materials companies such as BHP and Rio Tinto. When investing internationally, it's possible to branch out and get exposure to other core and growth sectors such as technology, healthcare, and consumer discretionary. This helps reduce the concentration risk of the portfolio, spreading it over multiple sectors in different geographies whilst also stabilising returns. So if a particular sector in a particular geography is facing difficulties, the others in your portfolio will ensure that your overall returns stay relatively insulated from these aberrations. Blue chip stocks. The ability to invest in global markets also gives you the ability to buy stocks of global blue chip companies such as Amazon, Apple, Microsoft, Johnson & Johnson, Coca-Cola, and Samsung in case you follow the investment strategy of stock picking. For a lot of people, buying shares of the top global companies provides a lot of peace of mind because of the stable growth prospects and the quality and depth of these companies. How to start investing in international markets. Your approach to investing in international shares will depend on your overall investment approach. There are three main ways in which you could invest in global equities. One, directly buying international shares. In case you're following the investment approach of stock picking, this is perhaps the methodology that would appeal to you most. You can pick and choose the international stocks that you want to buy directly from the exchange where they're traded. Not all stockbrokers allow trading of international shares, so this is a factor that you'd need to consider when choosing a stockbroker. More on this later. Two, through managed funds. Managed funds are pooled funds which are managed by an investment professional. Many managed funds which invest in international markets trade on the ASX and therefore don't require you to actually invest in the international exchanges. These funds, however, come with high management fees, especially for international themed funds, because the amount of pooled funds are generally more limited. 3. Through exchange-traded funds, or ETFs. Just like managed funds, there are many international-themed ETFs that trade on the ASX. But because these typically track global indices and don't necessitate the stock-picking expertise of fund managers, their management fees are much lower. You can also buy ETFs traded on global indices. However, most funds, such as Vanguard, BlackRock and iShares have introduced so many ETFs on the ASX that target different investing themes and geographies that buying ETFs on other exchanges has become superfluous. Do note that it is possible for an ETF to be listed on the ASX but to be domiciled outside Australia. From a taxation and DRP perspective, these ETFs are the same as internationally listed shares and come with the same complexities. Currency risk, however, is limited to dividends and does not impact capital growth because they're listed and traded 
on the ASX in Australian dollar terms. Nuances of investing internationally. While investing internationally isn't much different from investing in Australia, there are some key differences that are worth knowing about and considering. Stockbroker support and fees for international trading. Not all stockbrokers will allow you to trade international shares. So, if you want to be able to buy stocks and ETFs on international exchanges, you should make sure that your stockbroker supports such transactions. Also of note is the fact that there would be fees other than the typical brokerage that would be levied on these transactions. These include Custody fees Unlike the Australian chess system, you will not own your international shares directly. Your shares will be held by a custodian on your behalf who may charge you a fee for their services. FX spreads Because your Aussie dollars will have to be converted to the local currency of the exchange you want to transact in, Forex-related charges and conversion fees would have to be borne. Exchange-related fees Some global exchanges charge transaction fees for buying and selling on them. Currency risk Investing internationally comes embroiled in the Forex quagmire. Global currencies are ever-fluctuating. When you invest in international shares, the relative movement between the AUD and that particular currency could have a huge impact on your overall returns. This is because, along with the share market risk that you typically take when investing in an ASX-listed share, you'll also be simultaneously taking the Forex risk when investing internationally. So if you buy a share in the US, which provides a return of 2% in the first year in US dollar terms, but if the Aussie dollar has depreciated by 2% against the US dollar in the same period, your effective return in Aussie dollar terms will be zero. If the Aussie dollar had, however, appreciated, then your overall Aussie dollar returns would be higher than what the stock actually gave. This means that your returns can fluctuate wildly. If you don't want to bear the currency risk, there are many ASX-listed managed funds and ETFs that can provide you with hedged returns. A special mention should be made of ASX-listed but foreign-domiciled ETFs here. While these ETFs trade on the ASX and have unit prices denominated in Aussie dollars, the dividends that they provide are in the local currency of their domicile, so they will be exposed to a forex risk, whereas the capital gains will not be. Dividend Reinvestment Plans, or DRPs Aussies cannot opt in for DRPs for international shares and ETFs. This also applies to international ETFs that are listed on the ASX but not domiciled in Australia. So you would have to reinvest any dividends back manually once you've received them. Taxation Just dealing with taxation in one jurisdiction is complex enough, but when you add more to the mix, it becomes even more so. There are a few important aspects related to taxation that you should be aware of before you start investing in international shares. Your international taxation details will not be automatically populated in your ATO tax return, so you'll need to manually provide the details. Dividend franking. Franking credits are a tax rebate that's available on dividends received from companies that have already paid company tax. 
This is a uniquely Australian concept, and we covered this in more detail in Chapter 13. Any dividend that you receive from your international investments will not have any franking credits associated with it. So if you receive a $100 dividend from your Aussie investments, which have a franked component of $70, you would only have to pay taxes on the unfranked component of $30. Whereas, if you receive the same $100 dividend from your international investments, you would be required to pay taxes on all of it, which would make your post-tax returns from your Australian dividends much more superior. But remember, the dividends are only one part of the returns. The other, and in most cases a bigger chunk, comes from capital gains. So you should look at them combined to determine which one, your Aussie or your international investments, offer you better returns. Withholding taxes. Any dividend that you earn from your international investment will be subject to a withholding tax, which is typically around 30%. To avoid double taxation of this dividend income, Australia has Double Taxation Avoidance Treaties, or DTAT, with almost all the major countries in the world. Double taxation occurs when the dividend is taxed in the foreign country where it's generated, and then again in Australia. Under the DTAT, when you file your tax returns, you'll be able to get tax credits for any taxes that have already been withheld by a foreign country. You will, however, be responsible for informing the country that you're investing in that you're an Australian tax resident, so they can take their DTAT with Australia into account when they levy a withholding tax. This information is typically provided by filling country-specific forms, such as the W8BEN form when buying shares in the US. Do note that you won't be able to avoid tax leakage in case you invest in a country that Australia doesn't have a DTAT with. Capital Gain Taxes Any capital gains from your international investments will be taxed in Australia, just like your Australian investments. Where and how much should you invest in international shares? The answer to both these questions will depend on your risk appetite. When investing internationally, it's quite typical for Aussie investors to invest in US shares. The US is the largest economy in the world and contributes to more than 50% of the global market capitalization. However, in the medium to long term, it's expected that the growth of the developed economies will taper off and that China will take over the US as the largest global economy. Keeping that in mind, and acknowledging that the emerging economies, such as China, India, Brazil, and South Africa, have been growing much faster than the developed world, it also makes sense to get some exposure to these. The contribution of international shares can range from 30% to 55% of the total growth assets in your portfolio. If one is more risk averse, it can be on the lower end of the range. Our portfolio has about 60% invested in international shares. The proportion between US and developed market shares versus emerging market shares is also a factor of risk appetite and overall goal. Of our international exposure, we're currently 50% invested in US equities and 50% invested in emerging markets. The verdict. Investing in international shares can seem complex, but there are a lot of ways available in the Aussie market to get international exposure without dealing with any of the hassles. 
Irrespective of how you get international exposure, it's important that you get some. It'll only make your portfolio stronger. About Miss Fiery Ice from Two to Fire. Miss Fiery Ice is one half of Two to Fire, a Sydney-based couple of 30-somethings. Despite their background in finance and analytics, they were, self-admittedly, clueless about fire until 2019. Having realized the power of its principles, they've started their journey towards financial independence. They write about their experiments with investing in personal finance at twodefire.com. We hope you enjoyed this chapter of Aussie Fire. For more inspiration, head to perla.com slash explore to browse our resources, calculators, and community insights. Perla is an authorized representative, number 1281540 of Sandland Private Wealth Proprietary Limited, AFSL 337927. Knowledge is power, especially when investing. So always seek advice and or check out the relevant disclosure document for any financial product, including the PDS and TMD before deciding, which is available from the product issuer's website. When you invest, your capital is at risk and past performance is not a reliable indicator of future investment returns.